The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, this is not Gary Parrish, and today we are not going to be talking about camel fighting, dodo birds, or leaky black. My name is Aaron Barzilai, and I'm the founder of HerHoopStats.com. It's an honor to be here today with you for what we believe is the first Eye on College Basketball Women's Tournament Preview. I'm a regular listener, so I want to thank Nada for inviting us and pulling us together, Gary and Matt for their support of our work and of the women's game, and our gratitude really to the entire Eye on College Basketball podcast team, as well as CBS, America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. I launched Her Hoop Stats back in 2017, really to be the Ken Palm for women's basketball. But we quickly realized there was a need for more than just stats to help unlock better insight about the women's game. As a result, we've expanded to include podcasts, part of why we're here today, YouTube videos, articles, and more. Some of you out there may be listening and already follow the women's game closely already. And you might even have heard of our work or some of the other great folks in the women's basketball community that are covering the game. But my guess, though, is that many of you are what I would call curious. You really just follow your favorite men's team. You're aware that the women's tournament is going on, especially this year. It's getting more attention than ever. Maybe you know that your alma mater is a high seed on the women's side this year. If so, this podcast is really for you as we're going to give you an FAQ style preview of the 2022 women's tournament. To do that, I'm here with two of our podcast hopes from the Her Hoop Stats podcast network. Megan Gower hosts our Unplugged podcast, and she's also a certified bracketologist, courtesy of Joe Lenardi. Hey, Megan, how you doing? Hey, Aaron, I'm good. How are you? Doing well, and I'm excited to be here. Now, Megan, you're a UConn grad, a resident of the great state of Connecticut, and you cover UConn all year long, including their Big East tournament victory at Mohegan Sun this past year. As our resident UConn homer, are you going to argue that UConn deserved to be the overall number one seed this year as a sort of birthright? Well, I'm not that much of a homer. (laughs) I do use some logic. So no, not the number one overall seed, but we will definitely get into the Huskies later on here. There's a lot to talk about there. That is shocking anti-UConn bias from the (laughs) national media. I'm so tired of it. Um, I should say that even though you are in Connecticut, there's no question you do follow all the teams and do your best to be uh, as unbiased as possible. Now, also, I'd like to welcome Gabe Ibrahim. He's our Her Hoop Stats video guru and also hosts the Courtside podcast, along with Christy Winter Scott, who you'll hear on the call from Maryland this weekend on ESPNU. Gabe also conducts a lot of the great interviews you'll hear on our podcast, and WNBA fans that are familiar with our work might recognize that he was the host of our WNBA Mock Free Agency podcast. Hey, Gabe, how are you doing? I'm good. I've been sitting here trying to figure out the proper uh, women's basketball analogy to Leaky Black. <laughs> uh, I mean, we I love got, our games. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think of just like 
who plays like him, like Eva Hodgson at UNC plays a little bit like him. Georgia Amor plays a little bit like him from Virginia Tech. I can't think of a good enough name, though. Uh, we're going to have to we, we may have to loop in some other people uh, o- over text. Uh, I'll find a good name, a good name comparison for Leaky Black. But I'm doing great to answer your question. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Treasure Hunt is definitely one of my. Favorites. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the winner. So, Gabe, you're our resident Miami Hurricanes and Miami Heat homer. And you were at the ACC tournament in Greensboro for the Hurricanes amazing run. So I have two questions for you. First, did you, quote unquote, cheer in the press box? And also, are you going to pick Miami to make the Sweet 16? So uh, I wasn't Miami made a miraculous comeback down 17 with about four minutes and 37 seconds left. Uh, one player scored 15 of those points. Uh, she went on a 15 run to finish the game. Destiny Harden. So I, I don't know if I was cheering in the press box so much as I was going along with everyone else who was actively losing their minds at what we had just seen in Greensboro. So uh, to, answer, to, to really answer your question. Yes. Yes. I was cheering wildly <laughs> in the press box. <laughs> And uh, yeah, you know, I'm gonna have a bracket where Miami wins the national championship because I have to. I mean, you have to go. You have to go with your heart and soul. And I've been a Miami. I've been a Miami Hurricane much longer than I have been an objective, smart basketball fan uh, slash analyst. So you got you got to go with your heart at times, even if it's gonna lose me a bit of money. Now that's a long running debate on this podcast. Where do you fall in the camp of fill out one bracket and one bracket only versus fill out 10, 15, 20? So no matter what happens, you can say you got it right. Uh, I'm I'm on team fill out as many as humanly possible because you never know you never know you never know how you're feeling on a certain day like I'm not doing my mine until the minute before the first four starts I think on Wednesday um, so I don't know how Megan feels about this but I'm on team fill out as many brackets as possible because that this is the only time of year you get to do it oh yeah definitely multiple brackets For sure. you get to do it once a year you've got to you got to have fun with it Absolutely. Well, I'm team single bracket, partially because I don't have the time. It's hard to do 10 brackets in the last 30 <laughs> minutes before tip off, I would say. So uh, cool. It's well, easier really, every year. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited to, um, you know, talk about uh, the women's basketball tournament, March Madness this year, and uh, really kind of um, catch people up on sort of what they might see uh, if they will hopefully watch. And so, Gabe, why don't you just start off by telling folks that maybe follow really just men's college basketball a little bit about the tournament itself and what's the same and what's different uh, compared to the, for the women versus the men. So, uh, I mean, the, the essential layout this year is pretty much the exact same. We have 68 teams in the tournament. There's going to be a first four on uh, Wednesday, which would, it depends on when you're listening to this, but that is either in the future or the past. Um, <laughs> so we're going to have the first four coming up and then we will get into the normal 64 team tournament. I think the big thing to know, if you're kind of a, a men's fan that wants to dip their toes into the women's, uh, tournament this year is that the first and second rounds, which are the big days, days that I would say are the most fun, uh, fall on the off days for the men's. So the women are going to play on it. It's it's Thursday. No, women are playing Friday, Saturday, Friday. Sunday, Monday, Gabe. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Sunday and then the, off. Day and the men will play in, yeah. on the other days. So uh, you get you get to see all of the basketball. So if you're already sitting at home. And you're watching an entire first round of men's. Just sit at home and watch the first round of women's. You don't need to go to work. You don't need to do that. <laughs> you're probably working from home anyways. So just enjoy <laughs> the time. Uh, so that's the first thing. And then the other, the other big change I think um, for men's and women's is that the women's uh, tournament is on ESPN, uh, ABC family of networks. So it'll be on ESPN U or News uh, rather than your your true TVs or your uh, TBS. Although TBS is it's probably yeah. 
I don't think ESPN News is going to be trending uh, on the first day of the tournament the way True TV will be. Yeah, (laughs) you know, it might be. I mean, ESPN News just feels the same as everything else. True TV is like, you know, there's probably someone tuning in to watch some court show and they get a basketball court. (laughs) That's the best part of True TV. But I think it is. it might be a little bit easier for people to find the networks uh, because they'll all be uh, right there. And then the other another huge difference is that the first and second round games will be hosted by the top four seeds. So if you're a one through four seed, you're getting games at home rather than having to go to a neutral location and play those games. Uh, it's obviously a big advantage for for some schools. Um, there, there's a, a couple schools in particular that are going to get a home court advantage perhaps throughout the tournament uh, <laughs> that we can talk about. You know, there is a there is a region in Bridgeport and there's a pretty good team in that area. And we could talk about that at another point. Um, but yeah, the, the other, the other thing is, uh, if, if you've never watched, if you haven't watched at all this year, women's basketball is that there's quarters. So like pretty much every other basketball league in the world, uh, the women's college basketball goes with 10 minute quarters rather than 20 minute halves. Uh, and there's also no one in one. There's only, once you get to five team fouls, everyone's taking two foul shots. Um, so those are like the big differences you'll probably pick up on any other things, uh, when you watch. But those are the big structural differences. Did I, did I miss anything, Megan? I don't think so. I think you covered it. Like you said, you've got an extra day of basketball, basically, if you look mm. at it that way, on the first weekend with the women's first two rounds going into Monday. Same thing with the year Elite Eight and Sweet 16. So it's going to Monday and then alternating days when you get to the Final Four. So no overlap there. Yeah, and that's really the benefit is that you can watch – the entire final four weekend basketball Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, um, you know, basically like the first two weekends of the tournament. If you've just been focusing on four days in a row of the men's uh, tournament. Mm, it's a lot of basketball. Oh God. I'm so excited. Thing. <laughs> it is a lot of basketball. Like They call it madness for a reason. So as you said, it is a lot of basketball. There's a ton of store, great storylines happening in the women's tournament. Um, Megan, why don't you talk a little bit about who is the overall number one seed? Yeah, so that this year is the South Carolina Gamecocks. They have been the wire-to-wire number one team in the AP poll, so they have not fallen out of that top spot all season long. They have an incredible number of top 25 wins, and, I mean, really, South Carolina is about Leah Boston, who I think at least everyone on this podcast would agree is the national player of the year on the women's side this year. She's averaging 16.8 points and 12 rebounds for the Gamecocks. Just an absolute dominant force inside. If South Carolina wins it all, it's going to be because of Aaliyah Boston. Yeah, I agree. Now, one thing I think that's interesting is how much do you feel like you can tell that she's sort of dominating when she's watching versus, you know, it's just sort of a steady place, play grinding you down. Uh, and next thing you know, she's got those incredible numbers uh, every night. I feel like it's a lot of that. I think there's nights where you're watching her and you think she's having a quiet night and then you go look at the box score and she's got like 20 and 10. You're like, okay, well, that's not quiet. (laughs) But yeah, the way she just wears teams down. I think we see her go off in late game situations a lot because you can just only guard her for so long. She's hard to guard as it is. And then to guard her for 40 minutes is a whole nother challenge in and of itself. So just a player that can really dominate a game end to end for sure. And what do you think of her, Gabe? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to add her. Her work rate is incredible. I mean, you look at what she, she last year, she was, you know, almost a player. She was a player of the year candidate. She took her team to the final four. They were one shot away truly from losing. And I think she took the blame of that. Um, And she came back this year, completely redid her body, completely 
changed everything about what she did in terms of in terms of the physicality of her game to make her sure that she's more able to uh, be in condition early in the season and be in condition late in the season. And you could see it just on the court how much she works in terms of both getting around screens on defense or getting into position for for rebounds on either end of the floor. And then even in her post-ups, if you watch her post-ups while she's waiting for an entry pass, she doesn't just sit there. A lot of bigs will just sit there and wait and wait for the team around them to move. She moves and puts herself in an advantageous position to get that good post position. So to me, that's the most impressive thing about Leah Boston is how hard she's worked in the offseason and during the season and during every single game. And you're right. I think it's not sort of this highlight-driven dominance. It is wear you down every single game. And you want to you know who that reminds me of? Tim Duncan, a person that Leah Boston has worked out with as a, as a native true, huh? of uh, uh, the U.S. Virgin Islands. They went out and they worked out together. And I think that that's so, it's the same sort of dominance. I think they're different players, but it's the same sort of kind of grind you down dominance. Yeah, and I love her footwork. She's amazing in the post, especially that seems to always come through at the end right after she's wearing you down because she's so physical. But then she's also kind of in the modern game, kind of really working on being stretch big is not quite what I would call her, but she's more than happy to step mm-hmm. out comfortable. So it's really exciting to see her as a, as a modern big that could really uh, dominate. It's been very, very impressive. Now, we, um, our model, we, uh, you know, like Ken Palm, we have our predictions for every game. And I've actually run simulations, the kind of, I believe, uh, we give South Carolina about a 35% chance to win the tournament uh, based on like 15,000 simulations. Does that sound high or low to you too? So if you asked me a week ago, I would have said it probably sounds about right. But South Carolina did pick <laughs> up one loss in the SEC tournament, a bit of a shocker. Kentucky went on a fantastic run in the SEC and knocked them off as well as the number two, number three seeds in that tournament. But I think more than Kentucky upsetting them, they didn't play their best basketball in the SEC tournament at a time when you want to be playing your best basketball of the season. I think they probably correct that, but I think I need to see it in the first two rounds first. Yeah, I, I think it's actually a little low. I'd put them a little bit higher. I, I just think like this is the team that we've, I mean, like, like, like Megan said, they absolutely dominated every single ranked team. Like they, I think they played three of the other. They played two of the other top one seeds. They played a couple of two seeds. They played everyone. There was not a game that they turned down. And they hammered most teams in those categories. So, yeah, I'd say it's a, it should be a little higher, especially the way the brackets turned out. Like, they'll have Miami in the second round. And as much as I love Miami, it's a pretty good matchup <laughs> for South Carolina. Then, you know, it, UNC and Arizona, who are the five and four seeds, don't really scare me. And then we get to Iowa. And that game could go crazy, but I'd still pick South Carolina to easily make it through to the championship right now. So I'm going to say it's a little low for me. Interesting. Yeah. So as you were saying, Anata, thanks for pulling up our HerHoopStats.com page for uh, South Carolina this season. Uh, South Carolina has played the toughest schedule, both by uh, opponent average winning percentage. 64% has been the average winning percentage of their opponents. And also by margin uh, of victory per 100 possessions by, you know, opponents average net rating. Their opponents have averaged victories of uh, 10.3 points per 100 possessions this season. And that's why we do have them number one in our overall Her Hoop Stats rating. And again, that's analogous to a Ken Palm rating. They're second in um, uh, pace-adjusted margin of victory, but number one overall when you control for the strength of opponents. So, yeah, I think uh, they've been incredibly impressive. But one thing I would say, we didn't really talk too much about this when we were preparing, but even though, uh, as you said, Gabe, 
that might be a little low and you give them a higher prob- uh, chance of winning. It also feels like in a lot of ways, one thing that's exciting about this tournament is that there's a lot of parity, a lot of people that could, a lot of teams that could potentially win. Do you feel like there's more and more parity uh, each year in women's basketball? Uh, cer- certainly, I think this year, for sure. I mean, it- it's kind of hard to say that when we do have South Carolina being as dominant as they were and they play. And like I mentioned, they did play all of the other top teams. But it- it's true that also that South Carolina is not a traditional power in the sport. They have been because Don Saley got there and, and she's created this program. But there's a lot of people uh, across the country creating programs that have staying power. I mean, I think you look at Texas, the team that just won the Big 12, that that team has gone much better and much more consistent under Vic Schaefer, uh, NC State has become a machine in the ACC. You know, three straight ACC titles, nothing to, to scoff at. Louisville's at number one seed. You got Baylor who's rolling along, even though Kim Mulkey left. I think there's a lot more teams that can win the championship this year than last year. Um, just not a lot of teams I bet on over South Carolina, to be honest. How about you, Megan? Exactly. I think we've seen more upsets in general, too. When you look at South Carolina's losses for this season, it's not like they lost to, you know, teams or your other teams on the number one seed line. It's a loss to Missouri that didn't even make the tournament. And then it's a loss to a Kentucky team that ends up as a number six seed in this tournament. But before that run, we're probably considered on the bubble. So two, you know, teams that are not considered part of that top group, which I think is not something we've seen as commonly in women's college basketball in the past so i think going into this tournament you still have your collective group of teams you think have the option to win it all but i think there's a lot higher chance that one of those teams gets upset early on again when was the last time uconn was a two seed i don't i don't have that in front of me in uh, 2019 actually it was the albany regional though and they beat louisville to make the final four okay yeah, we'll talk more about UConn uh, later. We got a lot more fun stuff planned, including uh, our final four brackets that uh, each of us have. But uh, Megan, can you believe there are people that have uh, graduated from UConn since uh, the last time they won the the national championship? Yeah, well, it's a little weird for me because I was spoiled. I graduated in 2016, so same class as Brianna Stewart. For those who don't remember that, she won 2012, 2013. Or sorry, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, four in a row. First time ever school won four in a row. The men's team also won in 2014. So I had a fun college experience <laughs> in terms of winning basketball games. <laughs> That's um, right. High expectations, high expectations. But I do think the conference tournaments, um, you know, which for the women were the big conferences, the major conferences are actually a week earlier, I think not to conflict with the men's tournaments so that more people will watch the women's tournaments. And we saw a lot of uh, upsets in that. You know, Gabe, you were down, although uh, so this is probably not the best intro, you were down uh, and saw NC State win it in Greensboro. Can you talk a little bit about them? They're definitely in the upper echelon this season, another number one seed. Yeah, I, I mean, North Carolina State's been a top three team all year. Uh, they did lose South Carolina, who didn't? Um, but they—they've been absolutely excellent. I, I think they're, um, they're calling card and their big player that everyone talks about because she's a senior. She'll be a WNBA first-round draft pick most likely. Is Elisa Kunane? Uh, she's their center. She's the person they run a lot through. But it was interesting actually in the ACC championship game against Miami, who upset their way all the way to the title game. We'll talk about that in momentarily. But uh, they had to play without Kunane for a good stretch of that third quarter and the team just kept going, you know, it, it was really impressive. I thought that was the thing that really, you know, hit a light bulb in my, in my head of like, you know, this team is a lot more 
um, that I think people and people realize. We all talk about Kunane, 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 but Kai Crutchfield is no joke. Reina Perez is really good. These are all these are all the sort of players that would be considered maybe role players. I guess Jakia Brown Turner is the other star, um, and they also have Diamond Johnson coming off the bench, who is this sort of microwave esque. Do people know who Vinny Johnson is? I don't know. <laughs> I'm old enough that I do. Megan, you don't know who that is, do you? No. <laughs> uh, he, played, he played for the Pistons. Um, but I, I don't, uh, there's a six person out there that you could think of, but she really brings a lot of energy off the bench and, it, and she gives them a lot of optionality. So NC state to me is a team to keep their, keep your eye on. I think they can easily, well, not easily, but they could win their region. Um, even with UConn being in that region, I, I think NC state certainly has a chance and they actually match up pretty well with UConn. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see how far a team with Elisa Kunane as their star player can go, because she does have certain limitations on both ends of the court um, that you have to, you kind of have to plan around and, and their coach Wes Moore has done a great job of putting her in advantageous positions and taking uh, advantage of her strengths and, and hiding her weaknesses as much. And her teammates have done an awesome job, but in the tournament, you know, it becomes harder and harder to, to hide whatever weaknesses you have. And since she's going to be such a giant part of what they do on both ends, I think she's just going to have to play the best basketball she has all year. And she is certainly capable of it. And if she does that, I, I don't see why this team can't win a national championship. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, yeah. I think make- the thing that stands out to me about NC State is they were a number one seed last year in the tournament. Mm-hmm. They didn't make it to the final four, but they've added a lot of depth since last year. And I think when you get to like a team that can win a national championship, that depth is so important. And the other thing is they shoot the ball really, really well from three, shooting 37% as a team on the season. I think right now it's just two players on the team that are shooting over 40%. There was a time this earlier, a little bit this season, where I think they had four players that were shooting over 40% from three. So definitely a lot of capable three-point shooters. You have to guard most of this team on the perimeter, which makes them super dangerous. And I have one more thing to add. Uh, So this year uh, they were getting rings for winning the ACC last year. So the team, the team, they're all going to get rings and they were all going to, they were talking about what they want to put on it. And I think one of the coaches suggested putting three sweet, three straight sweet 16s on the ring and the team to, to a person all said, no, we don't want that because they don't want their legacy to be three sweet 16s or uh, they, they want their legacy to be the national championship. They want their legacy to be winning the regular season tournament. I mean, we're going to win the regular season ACC crown winning the tournament crown for the first time since 1985, then going all the way to the, the championship and winning that. So I like having those little stories of, 
of teams having some more motivation to get through the tournament and having that extra brand of focus. Not that you need it. It's March. Everyone's going to have that, have that juice to them. But this makes for a good story in NC State. Yeah, I think they're a great story. And I think uh, it's super impressive what they've uh, built down there. And I love, first of all, I love Raina Perez. You mentioned her. Um, mm-hmm. She just jumps off the screen. I think if uh, folks tune in to watch, it'll be quick. She was, I believe, the Big West player of the year before she transferred to NC State a couple years ago. And just uh, so much fun to watch. And then, yeah, Kunain is a incredible town. I believe it's our friend Debbie Antonelli that uh, coined her nickname, right? The Big Smile. Uh, right. So, um, yeah. So Debbie will be calling the men's games, uh, for CBS, uh, in this first and second round. Right. And then she'll be switching over to, uh, Culver, the women's tournament the rest of the way. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually pretty high on NC state. I think they're, you know, they've, uh, taken their lumps, right. I'm looking forward to seeing how they can apply those lessons. Uh, so the other kind you mentioned, Gabe mentioned sort of three, I think, main teams that people view as kind of the upper echelon. You know, you can decide whether South Carolina is a, a tier above them. But uh, Megan, what's your thought on the third team, another number one seed, Stanford? Yep. So Stanford as well. I mean, they are the rating national champion. They won the everything last year, come back this year. They are just as good, I think, if not a better team than they were last year at this point in the season. They did lose their starting point guard from last year, Keanu Williams, which was definitely a big loss for them. And I think that was very evident at the beginning of the season. They, you know, it took them a little bit to figure things out on the offensive end. They had three losses earlier in the season that I think you can try to see the impact of the loss of Williams turning over the ball a lot, things like that but that's definitely gotten cleaned up. They haven't lost since they lost to South Carolina, which was before Christmas. So they have been on quite the long run at this point. Um, in that game to South Carolina worth 92 at South Carolina, they lost by only four points. So they were kind of hanging around with the Gamecocks then, and they've only gotten better from there. So I think we've seen them clean up the offense and they're definitely looking like they are a contender to repeat on their championship from last year. Yeah. And full stop. They should have beat, South Carolina in South yep. Carolina. And that's the only, I mean, that's the only team this year that came close to that because they're South Carolina's other two losses were either on the road or in neutral site. So they, they full stop should have beaten South Carolina there. And they lost. Uh, I, I haven't watched necessarily tape of that game recently, but they lost focus there at the end. And I think it's going to be one of those things that, um, you know, like the Sweet 16 thing that we were talking about for NC State kind of kicks them in the butt. Like they, they want to see South Carolina in that championship game. That's the only time they can meet. So they, they want to get back there. Um, I think for basketball heads, if you're not if you're not as familiar with Stanford, they run a ton of Princeton stuff. I'm not sure it's necessarily a pure Princeton offense. I don't think it is, but they run a lot of Princeton stuff. So if you're into backdoor cuts to a lot of people moving off the ball to, to players doing some really well-timed give and goes, this is a team that you're really going to enjoy watching, uh, especially with all their passing talent. I mean, Haley Jones is, is just phenomenal passer, cutter, uh, just basketball savant. She's brilliant. And then you have Cameron Brink, who I, I wouldn't call her a basketball savant. She fouls way too much to say that, but she's <laughs> yeah. super fun. And she is, uh, she's, she's very long and athletic and kind of this futuristic big that I don't know. We, we don't see a lot of these players at her elite level on the women's side. And even on the men's side, you really don't see them. And, and she's been able to stay healthy. Um, she's been in a lot of foul trouble, but other than that, she is absolutely brilliant. So th- this team to me is just like one of those, basketball teams that you watch and it's just like beautiful flowing basketball when it's working yeah we have that nice um video compilation mm-hmm. that i believe uh, basketball chess skanda for on our team put on our youtube channel again her hoop stats if you want to look for us there really anywhere um social media 
uh, all the different platforms, um, just a ton of backdoor cuts. They're they're really impressive. And as uh, Megan said, right, that you know they do have Anna Wilson uh, as point guard. Um, you know she does have that brother that plays quarterback. You might have heard of, but uh, um, you know interestingly, with Kiana Williams not on the team this year. I think it's interesting. They don't have like one super dominant star that just kind of dominates the game. It's very by committee, I feel, and sort of everyone can contribute. The Hull sisters, quite impressive as well. So a lot, a lot of talent there. And it's sort of the advantage that you're not quite sure who could beat you in the last second moment because there's a lot of flexibility, um, but also can be, I guess, a disadvantage. That you kind of don't know who your go-to player is the way they had last year when they, they won it all. I think I feel go-to. like you know who the go-to player is, the Taylor yeah. Jones. Like, well, <laughs> I mean, she's their most talented, but you know, like, I mean, she's not scoring 25 a game or whatever, right? It's much more balanced, I think, than most teams, right? Well, so for, with Haley, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Megan, if you want, I just no, wanted to bring up that it. one game. Uh, <laughs> what, it was against Colorado, I want to say. She scored seven points in the last minute and a half. Yeah, and I was also thinking of Oregon. They almost lost to Oregon, Oregon that's this the one. season, and she hit this crazy shot. I think she was literally basically took it from the yes. ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that's the shot that sticks out of my head, too, right? Yep. Over. I <laughs> so, have no idea how she got that off. I think they've found who, who their go-to is, though, and, and it's Haley Jones, and she was the most outstanding player in last year's tournament, uh, and she's going to be the person I think they go to. But in Stanford's offense is, is like what I'm saying. Like, you don't, you don't go to anyone. You play the – we run the offense, and we see who gets the score. So that's what Stanford, I think, ethos is. They don't really have that go-to. But I think – I don't know, Aaron, are you saying that they need to have a little bit more of that? I'm saying it can be a strength or a weakness depending on the situation. They at least aren't going to, you know, pound the ball at the top of the key and run, you know, you know who it's going to be for and the defense can load up instead. You know, they have a lot of people that can make plays, which is extremely valuable, especially if there's a scramble after initial Mm -hmm. shot, you never know who's going to, the ball's going to bounce to and uh, you know, you're comfortable with any of them. Yeah. So we've gone 27 minutes. Should we talk about UConn or can we? Well, no, I want, I was Gabe, I was going to ask you to, we've talked about three of the number one seeds. Gabe, why don't you talk about uh, the the fourth number one seed, Louisville? Tell us a little bit about that. Louisville, Louisville. Louisville is a very interesting team at the moment. Uh, So they, throughout the season, pretty much considered the consensus for, they've been in this one, one seed spot for a large chunk of the year. They have some really nice wins. Um, they're only, they're only lost really in the in the pre the two losses they had were to Arizona really early in the season. I'm not sure what you could take from that. And then they also lost to NC State in a game where they were up, I think, like 18 in the second right. half. Um, that then they just kind of motored through the rest of their season until February, when they lost to UNC and then they gave up that massive run to the University of Miami. They were the team on the other side of that. So you, it can cut two ways with Louisville. I think the first way you can cut is say, oh, no, they are. You don't want a team that loses focus, right? You don't want a team that's going to that's gonna give up those big leads, especially when the when the season matters. Like this was in the conference tournament. This game mattered. Um, or you could see it as this team is very upset. And they were. They were really mad. And those are Miami's coach that, that I think this is going to push them to the to uh, the final four. That's what Katie Meyer said after that game. So maybe it does they're certainly talented enough i mean Haley van lith is uh, is a really great uh point guard who she she's a little undersized but she uses her size really well i think she's actually stronger than most people think so she actually gets in the post quite often you have emily Engsler, who is one of the best defensive players in the country might be the best defensive player in the country and an excellent passer and you just have a lot of experience with Mikasa Robinson, Olivia Cochran, Chelsea Hall, who's a transfer, Kenneth Smith. All these players have experience in March and are, are ready to go. 
Uh, so if you're if you're one of these people looking looking for an experienced team, Louisville might be on your docket. I think all the teams we've talked about are, pre- are pretty experienced, but th- this is one of the teams. But you know, I I am a little bit concerned about what happened in that ACC tournament and how it affects them. Yeah, and I think part of that, like you said, is it's not the first time we've seen it happen to Louisville. Yeah. It happened in that NC State game as well, so it does like suggest that there's a little concern there. Uh, but I think this is a Louisville team that's better than it was in some of those earlier season losses. I think when they started out, right, they lost Dana Evans, who was she averaged over 20 points a game, fantastic player, draft pick last year. And it took a little bit to recover from that. They started off the season as a really strong defensive team, but the offense was lacking. They've certainly found that offense going into this later part of the season. Haley Van Leith has been a huge part of that. She's really, really struggled with her shot at the beginning of the season, those numbers have gone way up. I think there was a time when she was shooting under 30% from the floor yeah. and now it's well over 40. So that just says that her recent numbers have been much, much better. Um, so I think this is a team that maybe despite some of these fourth quarter struggles are, is still peaking somewhat at the right time. It still feels like they're a much better basketball team than they were in November, okay. but they've definitely got some stuff to figure out. Gotcha. Well, Gabe asked about uh, UConn, uh, who definitely kind of is in the next tier of teams. So if we're going to move on from uh, Louisville, Megan, what can you tell us about UConn? What's your assess- unbiased assessment about how they've uh, played the season and their current state heading into uh, the opening weekend of the tournament? Yeah, well, I feel like when we talk about women's basketball, we talk about UConn all the time, but I think what makes it so interesting this season is it's really hard to say like what this team is this season because they've dealt with so much in terms of injuries and not to say that they're the only team that have dealt with injuries, but they've had, I'd say more than their fair share of injuries this season. They lost Paige Beckers, who's a reigning national player of the year to a knee injury back in early December. And she just returned to the team within the last couple of weeks, right before the big East tournament. She's still not fully at 100%. So you're looking at a UConn team that, for one, has played most of the season without the reigning national player of the year. That's something they're going to have back for the tournament. But then they've had, I think, all but two players at this point miss time with injuries or COVID or likewise at some point during the season. So they've got five losses. If you look at those losses, the first one is to Georgia Tech. That's the game after Beckers gets injured. Then they lose to Louisville right before the Christmas holidays. They're still without Beckers along with the cast of a few other characters off their bat. No AZ Fudd, who's the freshman that shot's been compared to Steph Curry, and it is really that beautiful. Um, and they're also without Nico Mule in that game, which is their backup point guard to Beckers. And that was a close loss to Louisville, too, I'll say. It's, it was a five-point loss. And then coming back from the holidays... They lost, sorry, I'm blanking on who else they lost to. Oregon. Oregon. Oh, right. (laughs) I remember all of these losses. (laughs) So, yeah, falling back in January, still without backers, they lose to Oregon, who at the time was in the top 25. Kristen Williams, (laughs) their shooting guard, main shooting guard, is out with COVID for that game. And then they lose to Villanova, the worst loss for sure on that record. That, but that's the game that they lose Olivia Nelson Adota, who is their starting center. Yeah. So, all to say, a lot of injury problems. We really haven't actually seen this UConn team fully healthy until I think you could maybe say the Big East tournament, but Paige Beckers is still not fully healthy. So, 
you basically have not seen this team at full strength. What would you season. say is Bucker's? Like, is she 80%, 60%? Like, what would you say from seeing so, her person? The, yeah. At the Big East tournament, I thought she played very well in their first game. Not so well in the other two, and it's probably just some tiredness from, you know, playing three back-to-back games when you haven't played in months. Um, Gino Ariyama did get a really positive update to the media yesterday saying that her numbers from the strength coach are back at what they were before injury, that she's looked great in practice. So, I mean, we'll see for sure when we actually see her out of court <laughs> this weekend, but at least a positive update from, from Ariyama at this point, So, which I think is a good thing to hear after kind of a week and a half of practice since the the conference tournament and he's always an optimist right so the most false statement you could come up with i think <laughs> <laughs> so yeah Gabe, so you know i don't know if you noticed that but nada showed uh yukon's page on her screen so yukon mm-hmm. has uh the highest uh unadjusted uh net rating of any team in women's basketball mm-hmm. this year despite all the challenges bacon faced uh we actually have them fourth in our her hoop stats rating which feels high to me uh i'm always nervous about it and then uh, but I believe they're also fourth in uh, the NCAA's net rating as well, right? They so are. we're actually not that far off. So, like, do you think they're actually potentially the fourth best team? Do you think they're the most dangerous two seed, forgetting about the location, which we'll probably talk about in a minute? I mean, it's UConn. And, you know, it's just like one of those things. Like, in the middle of the season, that's what I was saying. I remember those losses. Because it, it's – I I'm I want everyone to succeed and be happy. Yes. <laughs> But at the same time, it is nice to have something new happening in college basketball. And UConn losing is one of those things. They don't lose very often. Um, I wish it, it I wish it didn't have anything to do with injuries because, I mean, truly, Paige Beckers is one of those players who your eyes are glued to the screen when she has the ball in her hand. And it, she is just phenomenally talented and, and fun to watch, especially with this group of people around her. Um, but it was also just like up and down and weird and people were in different roles. I mean... For, for the beginning of the season, I really was low on Olivia Nelson Dota, and she was one of my favorite players last year. And I'm like, what's happening? And then everyone else gets hurt, and she starts playing amazing. She really upped the level of her game. And now, you know, I'm not really sure where, where she stands. Are we going to expect where she was in the beginning of the season or later in the season? I think that goes for everyone. Um, and, and you know, I think you're looking at this team with Kristen Williams and Avina Westbrook and Nelson Dota. Those players have the experience. They should be more consistent than they have been this year. But I understand why they weren't consistent. So to, to answer your question, yes, I think they're the most dangerous two seed for a host of different reasons, but they're UConn. You know, there's going to be teams in this tournament that are going to see that jersey and be scared. And I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that because I think a lot of teams look at look at UConn and say, well, you know, they're UConn. But I've not, I didn't see them lose when I was a kid, right? I, I didn't see them lose when I was a kid. So it was like, I, you you look at it, and I think they are the most dangerous one because they have that brand name, because they have all the talent. And if they could get healthy, sure. I mean, I don't see – again, there's another team that can really run through this tournament if they're healthy. I won't expect that, but the yeah. NCAA tournament did do them a big favor by putting them in the Bridgeport, <laughs> Rhode Island – or is it yeah. Rhode Island? It's Rhode Island, right? No, it's Connecticut. It's Connecticut. Oh, okay. it's I, I would say East Coast bias, but you live in like Virginia, man. You should know that. I'm, like, I'm, I'm from Florida Miami. Yeah. Anything north of DC is just cold. And yeah, um, anything north of Jacksonville yeah. is probably cold for you. To be fair, like Bridgeport isn't exactly a tourist destination in Connecticut. So. That is true. That is true. But is we'll there, be there. 
you and I will be there, Megan. So we're looking Is there a that. Bridgeport, Rhode Island? Because I think I had some... There might be. Who knows? I, I, I feel like New England reuses a lot of town names, so there probably is. That's true. Newport, Rhode Island. Maybe you've heard of that, right? Newport, I, have, uh, I, I think my sister yeah. and my dad went to Bridgeport, Rhode Island, if it exists. If not, they went to Connecticut. Regardless, <laughs> Newport. that region is there specifically, not specifically, but it is like kind of tailored towards UConn. Uh, it is meant to bring in their fans to have really good women's basketball games because they have been a hub of women's basketball for so many years. So they are going to get at least some sort of advantage from being closer to home in the if they get out of the first two rounds, because obviously the first two rounds will be at their home stadium in stores. Uh, if they get out of the first two rounds, get to Street 16 and Elite Eight, they're going to have a massive, not a massive advantage, but at least some advantage over the other teams because their fans are already there. So. I, I think you have to factor that in and believing that they can go far. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a, I would expect Bridgeport to be a home court type environment. I think oh, you yeah. saw it at the Big East tournament last week at Mohegan Sun, which is basically about the same amount of distance from <laughs> stores as Bridgeport is. So um, you're, you're going to see a lot of UConn fans there. They turned out loud for the Big East tournament, which obviously for UConn probably has a lot less implications than a, a March Madness Regional, so I think you could expect it. But it was in Connecticut, though, right? It was at Mohegan Sun, uh, so I, I'm not sure about that. You Were you at the Albany Regional? I think that was, what, 2019? Yes. So yep. what was that like? It was also a UConn crowd. Like, was... UConn fans traveled. They've, I mean, until this year, really, like, you could count on UConn probably being the number one seed in that regional at home because they had, up until, right. I mean, two, three years ago, they were – Usually undefeated, one loss going into the the postseason. You knew they were going to be the number one seed in that region. So those fans have booked the travel, and bought yeah, those tickets six months ago. And I guess the final fours I've been to certainly I've seen uh, the UConn fans uh, travel well. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think that I guess I'm a little bit of a contrarian actually. I think I'm not as high as UConn. I remember I think Megan, you and I spoke about this once, uh, maybe in like January. Like I'm just not sure we've ever actually seen them be um essentially one of the i don't know eight to ten best teams in the country they've been like potential the whole times you've talked about because they've had this crazy journey i think as you said gabe if they're healthy if they're clicking no doubt right uh in particular because becker's is talent but if she's not 100 percent, you know i think it's a challenge i, I think i would be a contrarian i think everyone's kind of penciling him uh in slash penciling them out of the uh Bridgeport uh, regional because uh, it's going to be in Connecticut. But I think that uh, I think I'm going to go the other way on this one. I think NC state is not going to be intimidated by them, right? They've been playing at a very high level for a long time, you know, and I do think it's one question I was thinking to myself as you were talking, Gabe, is I wonder, you know, how much, you know, the Yukon brand really intimidates teams now versus, um, you know, say five years ago, right? Is it sort of like Notre Dame football? where, you know, there's the rich tradition. Are we starting to get to the point where they're a good team, um, but not sort of, you know, what they were, you know, to say essentially during Brianna Stewart or my wars heyday. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually, I mean, not to the spoiler alert, I actually have them losing in the elite eight. Uh, Cause I think Indiana's a bad match for them. And Indiana on the other side also has injury issues. That's why I think, you know, it, it kind of, the road is kind of paved a little bit, um, Nicely for UConn is just if Indiana is not as Indiana's hurt and Paige Beckers is not 100%. Well, those two cancel out and then we'll see what happens in the Elite Eight. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm still afraid of, I'd be afraid of UConn, honestly. <laughs> like it's Gino, like they're, it's not that far removed from these, from these people cutting down the nets and, and like uh, the, the amount of media coverage that 
AZ and Page generate, I think is in and of itself intimidating. You've seen their highlights. What are the odds that they've seen your highlights if they haven't been watching you on tape, right? So I think to me, I, I do think there's a little, there's still a little bit of intimidation factor. Also, I was thinking about uh, Bridgeport, West Virginia. Okay. They have, a very, they have a very lovely covered bridge that's in the, one of my favorite video games, Red, Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, that's, that's what I was thinking about. Sorry. My Not kids haven't gotten to Red Dead Redemption 2 uh, yet. Uh, or soon. They're getting up there. <laughs> hey, it's a game for all ages, as long as those ages are above 18. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, Megan, do you still think like there's that mystique around the program? I feel like there is. I think sometimes, but I think there's definitely a little less of it. I think you see it in like Villanova coming into UConn and beating UConn this year. And I think if you come into that game scared, you don't win it. It doesn't, right? right? Like if you come in with that, in with that attitude, you're not going to win. And I think we've seen it in some of their closer Big East games this year. So I don't necessarily think it's as prominent. I especially think with this UConn team and the way UConn has been the past few years, yeah, they still win a lot, but they haven't won as much. They're not one to one number ones undefeated going into the the postseason like some of those past UConn teams have been I mean 100 straight wins all that kind of stuff that mm-hmm. stuff's intimidating that's that's not what this UConn team is um so I don't know how much that's going to factor in I I would think that's probably not going to be as big of a factor yeah I mean I think Beckers is a superstar and so I could see her yeah. being intimidating but if she's not at full strength like who else is you know gonna scare you? like three Gatorade commercials well, yeah, but I think two years from now, AZ Fudd will, will definitely scare you. But, uh, I mean, I would be scared that if house. I give AZ Fudd like two extra inches on the perimeter, she's going to make me pay for it. Well, but... sir, <laughs> Raina Perez is not scared, I can tell you. No. So, uh, let's talk about another uh, another number two seed that I think we're all excited about. Speaking of talented players, Nelissa Smith, uh, oh. Nelissa Smith-led Baylor Bears. Nelissa Smith could very well be the number one pick in the WNBA draft and Baylor had a, I think we think had a chance right at the fourth number one seed before they lost uh, actually on selection Sunday to uh, Texas and Rory Harmon, uh, who may not be intimidated by uh, UConn as well as, as an incredibly talented young freshman. Um, but what do we think about uh, Gay? Why don't you start off telling us a little bit about your thoughts on Baylor? Uh, with Melissa Smith is awesome. Uh, Google, Google her. If you're, if you're listening to this right now and you're like, I don't, really know Melissa Smith, go go ahead and Google her. Um, she she does so much interesting stuff. She actually like fired off a catch and shoot three, I think in the semifinal of the Big 12 championship. And it was just like one of those moments where your, your eyes <laughs> like light up because she's such a dominant force inside. And it's different than than how Aaliyah Boston does. Aaliyah Boston has a lot more traditional post-ups in her game. Uh, for better or for worse, Nelson Smith doesn't do that as much. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that her team really can't get a lot of entry passes as well as South Carolina's guards can. Um, but she plays kind of from more of that elbow space a little bit more. Not that Leah Boston doesn't, but Smith does it more. And it's just so athletic. And so she's so strong. She's so much bigger. She's so much faster than everyone else on the court. She consistently catches lobs, which is something yeah. that is difficult to find. Right. The just vertical like, game, yeah. She's the one that really uh, encapsulates that of the women's game right now. She is brilliant. And she's on a team that has has plenty of talent. But uh, I've said for, for all of these teams, the one that's the most most one-man show-ish, I would say, is Baylor. Do you, do you guys agree with that? Yeah, I would certainly agree with that. I feel like the whole Baylor team is built around Melissa Smith. She is really the centerpiece. And yes, you could say that about like South Carolina and Leah Boston, but there's... Yeah. 
bigger pieces around Aaliyah Blossom than there are around Nolissa Smith. And I think you're looking at a very different Baylor team than last year. I mean, this team went to the Elite Eight last year, but you had Dijanet Carrington, you had Dee Dee Richard, you had mm-hmm. these other big names around Smith, where now this is definitely Nolissa Smith's team. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Yeah, she's she's going to be a joy to watch. I hope people get a chance to uh, see her uh, and see her highlights, as you said, both during the season and what she can do uh, this month. Yeah, no, she definitely watch out for her in the WNBA too. She will be, I don't know where, where she's getting drafted, um, <laughs> but it, it, she's going to be probably one or two. And it, either whoever gets her is going to be extremely happy. She is an amazing player. Amazing, amazing player. Yeah. Also, they run, uh, this is another thing we should mention. I mean, Kim Mulkey was there for my entire right. life. Like, I think <laughs> literally my entire life she was there. Uh, and she left to LSU. Uh, before last season, they replaced her with Nikki Collin, former WNBA coach with the Atlanta Dream. Um, she also coached at Purdue, right? She was an assistant at the Sun. She assist- yeah, she was an assistant with the Sun. So she, had, she had a great coaching resume, but still a new coach after so long. Um, and, and Nikki Collin came in and put her stamp on this program, and they run some really interesting pro-style sets that you know a lot of other college teams aren't doing, and it really highlights that talent in Alyssa Smith. So the, the, it's a cool team to watch. Yeah. Um, we'll see how good they are in March. Yeah, it's cool to see the change. Uh, I know last year I'm pretty, they were definitely in the zeroth percentile on our website for uh, I think I forget if it's three point rate or points from mm-hmm. uh, behind the arc. And this year they're like just slightly below average, like forty second percentile or something. So it's been a, it's been a real change. And you know, I said Coach Collins, a, a very talented coach. It's been pretty impressive. I'm not sure people expected this when um, Mulkey departed. Maybe once then maybe Coach Collins came, but. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, having a WNBA coach as your successor definitely helps, right? That's someone <laughs> that's got quite a bit of coaching experience. But like you said, a really total change in kind of the style of basketball from Mulkey. My favorite Kim Mulkey story is, you know, she always played, as you would say, an old school style of basketball. And when they came up to UConn and played a few years ago, Alexa Philpoo, friend of our team and at ESPN now, asked her about that. And Kim Mulkey just broke out, started singing old school in the middle of yeah. 
middle of the press conference. <laughs> but oh, yeah. that's definitely not the type of basketball Baylor's playing anymore. Yeah. No. yeah. Now, I can't believe we've gotten almost 48 minutes into this podcast. I think the yeah. next team we should probably be talking about really also the next superstar player. Uh, Megan, tell us a little bit about Iowa and uh, K- Caitlin Clark and uh, her teammate as well, Monica Susanna. Yeah, well, so if you've seen any women's basketball highlights on SportsCenter this year, I'm going to be willing to bet it was probably a Caitlin Clark 3 from the logo because she hits quite a few of those. Honestly, she might be more efficient on logo 3s than she is from 3 overall, (laughs) or at least feels that way. But, I mean, not just a logo 3-point shooter, just a a player that can create her own shot really anywhere on the floor, and I think that's what makes her so dangerous. She's scored, I think, 40 points on multiple occasions at this point this season really a player capable of putting Iowa on her back and leading this team to victory. She's averaging 27.4 points per game and then 7.9 assists per game too. So setting up her, her teammates as well on offense, just really running the entirety of Iowa's offense. I believe she's the first player in uh, NCAA division one basketball to to lead the country in assists and scoring in the same season yeah they started tracking assists then i believe 85 86 she's the first one to do it on the women's side i, I was meant to look up who it was and then they mentioned on espn yesterday i guess trey young did it on the men's side for oklahoma yeah. oh that's interesting that's actually an interesting comp uh yeah it, it, yeah right like did, did they trey kind young... of are similar players in a lot of ways actually that's a good comparison <laughs> clark is a bit taller so she plays a bit taller yeah. uh, uh she she's more of a big guard which separates her from the youngs and the and the curries that the players who are kind of doing those things in the nba in terms of logo threes um you know, I, I don't. I hate to throw out like comparisons like this, but there's so much Diana Taurasi in her game. She is a smack talker. She's a deep three maker. Mm-hmm. She comes down. She makes it in your face. She'll come down. Shoot right, right in front of you in the logo. That type of player. And you know, I don't want to compare anyone to Diana Taurasi. That's unfair. <laughs> She's just a, a sophomore. She's yeah. a sophomore in college, mm-hmm. so it's not fair. But it's just that type of player, that type of swagger. Um, and I think the team around her, they don't they don't play defense. I'll say it. I'll, I'll just yeah, say it no. in as blunt as <laughs> terms possible. They don't really play defense. That's not their thing. Uh, they play great offense though. And I think their struggles this year, they have seven losses. Most of them came um, when McKenna Warnock was hurt, who, I mean, th- this team is not very deep, but they're starting five and, and they're sick. Like their top six players really play well together. So one of those players was taken out really affected the entire spacing of the team, the, the defense. So, wouldn't necessarily look at their losses so much as their wins because their wins are super impressive. And for them to win the big 10 regular season title and then win the big 10 conference title, uh, I I think it speaks to how good not only she is, but how well she's meshed with their team. I think they have a a chance to go deep. We'll we'll see. Uh, But, you know, I I think I love the team around them. Like you mentioned, we we haven't talked about Susano pretty much at all. And she got, I think she had like 20, she had 27, 30 and something else. In the big in the Big Ten uh, championship tournament, yeah, so. the, law, the law firm of Clark and Sonata, right? Uh, <laughs> a coin coin by our very own uh, Christy Winner Scott. Uh, I hear there's a shirt now, right? That's what you there, said on the podcast. There is a shirt. I believe it's sold out because Iowa fans are among the most rabid groups in all of sports. Iowa women's basketball fans, just absolutely state all of Iowa. I would say not just the university, the the state of Iowa. But you said, like you mentioned anything about Caitlin Clark or even indirectly about Caitlin Clark on Twitter. <laughs> you got Iowa fans you mentioned. So hopefully you're nice to her and it's pretty easy to be yeah. nice to her this year. But yeah, <laughs> absolutely it, Caitlin, well 
it was easy last year too. A couple, I mean, so the stats on Clark are amazing, but I think what people don't realize is that she was pretty close to this last year. She averaged uh, 26.6 yeah. points last year, which also led the country. Uh, according to our site, she had a mere 7.1 assists, so she only ranked third as a freshman, first in scoring, third in assists uh, per game as a freshman. So she's super talented. And then Sonano, she's, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, I want to also say Caitlin Clark, we have her as, you know, just a hair behind third place for fourth overall in win chairs this season, total win chairs. Uh, Sonano, though, she's like 19th in player efficiency rating, PER, at 35.7. And uh, she is third in the country in effective field goal percentage as well at uh, 67.8%. So I think she, a lot of people are going to tune in to Iowa games to see, uh, to be a witness, right? So like Caitlin Clark are going to be impressed and discover and say, who's this uh, Sonano kid who is coming back excitingly for next year? Yeah, and, and another name to watch here. I don't know if anyone does like DFS stuff or DFS betting. Uh, Kate Martin, she is, as teams change their defensive plans to stack up against Clark and Cezano, she has been wide open and she made some huge baskets in the Big Ten tournament. So she's someone to watch out for if you're trying to look for, you know, hey, this player over, over under point total, uh, go, to, go to her. Indeed. They're going to be exciting uh, to watch. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys about where you have them in your brackets. Um, Gabe, I think one more, we've got a lot of uh, storylines we've talked about. One, I think that's essential. We sort of alluded to it earlier, and that is uh, Kentucky and Ryan Howard. What is your uh, opinion about uh, their streak? Um, as, as we heard, they started off kind of really underachieving. I felt like the analog a lot of people were using on the men's side was Ben Simmons' uh, year at LSU with this incredibly talented player that was the presumptive uh, number one pick in the draft. Um, kind of, but the team underachieving, and then they turned it around, including that run in the SEC tournament. So, where do you see them uh, going forward? So, Ryan Howard is the number one player in my last mock draft, which you can get on her hoop sets at substack.com, which is your newsletter. Um, but she's my number one player because she plays a, a really high value position on the wing. Um, she can shoot, she can, it's everything. There's not a thing on the court that she cannot do. Uh, I think some of the concerns about her were related to quote unquote motor, um, which meant she wasn't trying to get the ball in the fourth quarter. And she's not that type of player. So this isn't, whereas I was comparing Caitlin Clark to uh, Diane Rossi in that sense, I, I would not do that for Ryan Howard. She's not the type of player who's going to go and get the ball and take over the game. She's a player who's going to play in the offense, get you buckets, get you stops, do great things. Now in the SEC tournament, she did do a little bit more of grabbing the ball earlier on the game and pushing her team to bigger leads so that they could, they could sustain. Now, I don't know what to make of Kentucky's <laughs> run. That, that was all a long way of saying Brian Howard's fantastic. I believe in her. I don't know. I didn't think this team was going to, obviously no one thought this team was going to win the sec. I don't think they would probably be a six seed if they had even lost in the semifinals or lost in the finals. Mm-hmm. I don't think they get the six seed Cause I, I think it's a little high for them. So I don't know. I, I think to me, they do. Um, they they can get got. And I think one of the things that benefited them from in the in the conference tournament was their scouts. The scout the scouting report on Kentucky from earlier in the year didn't track with what they were mm. doing in the tournament because they were shooting the lights up. <laughs> they just decided to not miss a shot. So it's like, well, if they're not going to miss a shot, we have to do a lot more dif- different things defensively. I think a team like Princeton, who is their first round matchup is going to be very well prepared for what Kentucky's strengths and weaknesses are now. If that hot shooting isn't there, I can see them losing in the first round. So 
I don't know. You could take that for whatever you want. Maybe they get to it. Maybe they go, they continue the Cinderella run. I probably would not bet on that, but they do have, uh, let's say, a top three, four player in the country, depending on how you feel about Melissa Smith. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think they definitely got hot. And they, I mean, they closed out the regular season on a solid yeah, run yeah. as well. But there was a time less than two months ago where they were in like second to last place in the SEC. So as much as it's been a remarkable turnaround, I don't know that I'm sold that this Kentucky team that we've seen over the course of the SEC tournament is actually what this Kentucky team is. I think it's probably somewhere in the middle between that team that was in second to last place in the SEC and this team that just lit up the SEC tournament. So I don't really expect them to get that hot coming into this tournament. I'm actually going to pick them as a team that's going to get upset in the first (laughs) round. I think that says more about how I feel about Princeton and the fact that Princeton, I think is very underseeded at an 11 seed. But at the same time, I think Kentucky at a six is an overseed. And I, like I said, obviously, if I think they're going to lose in the first round, I don't think they're going to stay hot. The only frame of reference you need if you're, you know, parachuting in for the men's game, Kentucky lost to Vanderbilt this year. And that's like almost the same across the SEC. <laughs> well, I guess this is offense to, to Vanderbilt, but that doesn't matter. They lost they- to Vanderbilt. So that you could take that. I don't know how much you want to pick a team that lost to Vanderbilt to go to your final four. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I'm uh, skeptical of them as well. Interestingly, our Her Hoops That's model likes them. We uh, have them 31st in the country. So, again, that wouldn't necessarily be a, a six seed. But uh, surprisingly, it likes them. They've really kind of exceeded the prediction. I think at one point it was like eight out of nine games, or nine out of ten games uh, in a row. So, I mean, that's almost at the point where it seems a little sustainable but at the same time right i think didn't drain edwards have like uh 19 points in the second half of that victory against south carolina mm-hmm. so not something you can really count on every uh every day yeah. yeah i think they outscored south carolina was it around 25 or something to eight in the fourth quarter of that game to get that win too so just a complete meltdown almost by south carolina too which is definitely weird to see so one thing I, w- I will say in favor of Kentucky, and then we can move. But Kyra Elsey, when she finds something that works, she mm. sticks to it. And that's huge in the tournament. You don't want to coach as a coach. I think the best way to pro- approach this is I don't care what's whatever. I don't, I don't care what we did early in the season. I don't care what what the scattering report says. We're going to do what's working in the game. And so in the tournament, you kind of want to be able to do that and, and just say you know we're we're eschewing everything else we did and we're just sticking to this because it's working. If that works for four straight games, you're in the final four. Indeed. I think it was 21 to seven is what we have on our site for that fourth quarter, Um, a game that they won by two points. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Pretty, pretty wild. But that's why March is wild, right? That's why we call it uh, madness. So I've been asked a lot of questions. We've kind of been going more team by team. Megan, where do you think we should go from here? What do you want to talk about next? More players, teams? You want to change topics? Maybe some. I mean, we just talked about how Kentucky is a potential first round upset, but maybe some of the other areas that we see as first round upsets, I think, on both tournaments. That's kind of one of the funnest things to try to pick is what, you know, 12 seed is actually going to get the win and things like that. Yeah. So you said Princeton, right? Is one of yours over Kentucky? I have that as well in my bracket. Yeah. Oh, no. Do we all have it? I know. That's exactly what I was Probably means it's not going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. Princeton is, I believe, 20. I forget if they were 24th or 25th in the AP poll that uh, 
just came out. They won the uh, Ivy League uh, championship, uh, which was exciting. On uh, I forget if it was on ESPNU or ESPN News, but that was great to see. They've got uh, one of our Hammond Award finalists, uh, an award we give every year to uh, the top mid-major player named after Becky Hammond. She um, is now the coach of the Aces. Many people know she'd been uh, with the coaching staff of the Spurs for quite some time. It's one of the uh, she was named to the W25 team, one of the top 25 players of the first um, 25 years of the WNBA. Um, and so really, we're really grateful that she was willing to be a, uh, you know, the namesake of that. And so Abby Myers, uh, is a talent. I believe she was the Ivy League player of the year as well. Caitlin Chen, uh, played amazingly in the, that when I was watching that, uh, championship game, um, they have a lot of talented players. So, but yeah, they're, it's definitely veering into the, like, they're, everyone's going to pick them. And so then Kentucky will blow that up, I think. Yeah. I might, I might have to change up my bracket, uh, cause I, I hate that. I hate that one. I hate that everyone has it. <laughs> Because yes. they're twenty second in net rating, which is the the rating. Like I'm, I'm really surprised that they're an eleven seed. I think that's erroneous to a certain degree from from the committee. Because like, I don't know. You could have we're saying we're relying on net, we're relying on net, we're relying on net, and then the twenty second team, and that's eleven seed. That's that to me. It just feels a little bit. Um, I would be peeved if I was uh, on Princeton. So maybe that plays in their favor, um, and maybe they're just they might straight up be a better team than. Than Kentucky. I don't know if you feel that way, Megan. Uh, yeah, I kind of do think they are actually just straight up a better team than Kentucky. Like I said, I think they're underseeded or overseeded, however you want to say it. And then Kentucky <laughs> the opposite. So, yeah, I, I do just think that Princeton is the better team in that matchup. Yeah. yeah. I'm a resident, I guess, Princeton homer. I live, uh, Princeton's probably the school that I'm the closest to. I'm also quite close to Ryder, uh, who did not make the tournament this year, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, yeah. And in fact, um, coach Berube's, uh, kids go to school in my uh, school district, the same elementary school that my, my son goes to. So although they're a little younger, um, but yeah, so I think they're an exciting, uh, exciting choice. I think people are really going to enjoy, uh, watching that game. Um, who else, uh, Gabe, do you have on your list of uh, potential upsets? Um, so I, I have a bunch. I probably picked too many. I did want to get this out there because I did some research. Uh, I was looking at the first round upsets by double digit teams. So you're not like mm-hmm. the, the eight, nine line. I don't consider an upset. Feel free to disagree. with nope. me if you do. You're right. Uh, yeah, right. So last year we had three Wright State, Belmont, BYU, all all uh, a 10 seater over getting getting to the second round. Same in 2019. Obviously, there was no tournament in 2020 uh, due to the pandemic. Then 2018, there was this really big explosion with six, with six teams uh, upsetting in the first round. And then, you know, we have two in 2017, four in 2016, five in 2015. We get an average of about four teams that, that pull off these upsets. So I picked four. Did I pick four? I might have picked more. I probably got excited and I picked more. Uh, so one of them is uh, we, were, we were talking about Kim Mulkey. Uh, I got Jackson State over LSU. I don't know that much about Jackson State, so maybe you should take this to the grain of salt. I saw them play in in their tournament, and they they were they were lovely to watch, and they were really good. But uh, I just don't I don't buy LSU. Um, I don't think they've been I think they've been overrated all season long. Uh, I think Kim Mulkey is a, is a great coach. Uh, it doesn't quite feel though that right like it doesn't feel like she's stamped that program as a Kim Mulkey program quite yet. Um, I think they, they've had some really questionable losses, so I got them going out in the first round, uh, maybe just for for funds for funsies. Um, 
do do we want do you guys want to talk about LSU or do you want me to reveal? Well, that? I will say since you said you didn't know much about Jackson State, we put out an article uh, Sunday night with kind of one key state yes. uh, stat for every team, and so our stat for Jackson State is that they have uh, Amisha Williams. She's the only player in the country averaging at least 19 points, 11 rebounds, and 2.5 blocks per game. So she'll be fun to watch. Boom there, and she's going to upset LSU uh, if you if you believe my bracket, which you definitely shouldn't because I was in the twenties. Don't let Kim Mulkey hear this podcast. (laughs) I was in the 22nd percentile last year, uh, which is (laughs) bad. Or no, no, I think. No, no. You know that. I was on the other. I had, I got 22% of it right last year. Oh, I had a control. I always make a control bracket. Back to our point about making (laughs) make a control bracket, which is just, um, which is just picking chalk. And that one like would have won me our tournament. So I make I may just include our control bracket into that That's, one. I can't believe you call it a control bracket. I that might make you the biggest geek on our team, which is saying something. I wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> and I don't do I don't do like any of the stat stuff like that. Is, <laughs> I'm, I'm just a nerd. I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd without purpose. Um, <laughs> I also want to oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Gabe. I just want to bring up the fact that the Maryland College Park Regional, which I will yeah. be at, is. Has really big upset potential. FGCU with Kirsten Bell, who's a Becky Hammond Award nominee against Virginia. Former Tech. winner, she's the reigning uh, champion. Rain, reigning Becky Hammond Award winner, uh, going to be a top a first round pick in the WNBA draft, going against a Virginia Tech team that's a little bit injured. Maryland's been up and down all year. They're going against Jasmine Dickey, who is also a Becky Hammond yeah, Award nominee. And she two points and eighteen boards, I think, in a game this year, right? She did so. Look, I'm just saying, I don't have either of those. I don't know if Megan does. I don't have either of them, but I think those two teams, that that little uh, bracket right there has a lot of potential. Yeah, I mean, for me, I have Florida Gulf Coast winning, and 12 seed before Florida Gulf Coast is just straight up disrespectful. I mean, they're 26 and two. One of those losses without Bell, so you could take what you want from that, but basically throw it out the window. They beat LSU actually earlier this season, big win over them. So yeah, I'm I'm taking Florida Gulf Coast in that game. I can't do it for my love of Georgia A. Moore, Virginia Tech's point yeah. guard. She's absolutely a stunningly fun player to watch. <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree with you, though. They're, they're really underseeded. Yeah. yeah. A bit I, of an unfair matchup for Virginia Tech, honestly. I think yeah, so. I had my eyes like, on a couple of potential um, upset picks, uh, and I decided to go with uh, Princeton, but I couldn't, uh, the way the bracket fell, and as you said, with some of the underseeding i just couldn't uh, pull the trigger on many in the opening round i think i have uh i mean arkansas is a 10 seed over utah the fighting lake neighbors um <laughs> should be fun to watch um and then um but yeah i just i just didn't feel inspired right byu sort of feels like they're an upset pick but like they're the succeed against the uh, number 11 villanova at least in the opening yeah. round the other big one that I'm pulling the trigger on is number 13, Buffalo over yeah. mm. for Tennessee. Another Becky Hammond finalist, Deja Fair. Tennessee, Jordan Horston has been their league scorer all season long. She has been out with a, I think it's a wrist injury for the past few weeks now. There hasn't really been any information on her return, which leads me to believe that we might not see her yeah. this weekend. And I think without Jordan Horston, Deja Fair is the best player on the floor in that game. And I think Buffalo could pull off that upset. I got a bunch more if you want them. Whoa. Yeah, I, I could give you more, but I think. <laughs> so, What's your most plausible one? If uh, Jackson State might be one of your uh, less plausible ones. 
Uh, they're all, I mean, Aaron, they're all plausible. They're all going to happen. Let me make make that very clear. I'm not repeating last year's performance, uh, in the the bracket. Uh, I think actually Ehler team in the, so Dayton plays DePaul in the, in the first Mm. four Ehler team there could beat Georgia. Georgia's kind of been struggling, not kind of been, they've been struggling, uh, for the past month. And, uh, you know, they, they have had a chance to get a little bit more healthy, but I just think Dayton is a really good team. I think DePaul is a really good team. They have mm. Samaro, who is one of the best freshmen in the country. Probably one, one of, if the not best. the best. No, she's definitely the best. Yeah. The, the best. best. I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to catch her. <laughs> but she's the best freshman in the country, and she can put up 40 points pretty easily and does it regularly. So she can go off. I think either of those teams uh, would be, if you want to pick a slash team, you go there i think either of them could do it um and then we'll, well, I, i'm only gonna mention one more because i think aaron will get mad at me if i if i go if i go too no. deep into the woods here uh i, I so umass notre dame ah all right I, this the one, teams in that like little grouping actually <laughs> iupui ui pui does ui does ui pui call themselves ui pui yes absolutely that's cool all right cool yeah so ui pui a really good team High in that, they could pull off an upset over Oklahoma, who is their whole strategy is to shoot a bunch of threes and run, and that can go that can go south in the tournament. We've seen that happen uh, on multiple occasions. The teams that do that, I think Oklahoma's really good, but that's an upset that can happen. Notre Dame also has had their struggles late in the year, and UMass is not a team to be messed with. So, yeah, you know what? You reminded me. I actually did pick uh, UMass. I'm looking at my bracket now. Okay, um, it, was, it was all a blur when I filled it out, right? <laughs> uh, but I picked UMass over Notre Dame. I strongly thought about picking UMass over Oklahoma because I know that our her hoop stats rating is lower on them than consensus. But again, ultimately, I think that Oklahoma being at home is uh, you know kind of tip the scales for me. One thing I wanted to talk about. You mentioned Anisa Moro at DePaul. She actually leads the country this year in double doubles. She has. Uh, 26 double doubles uh Aaliyah boston mm-hmm. who we were raving about earlier has 25 so um so yeah she's going to be a treat to watch and i'm excited to see her uh, really featured in that first uh four game i think that one's wednesday night at nine o'clock yeah, and the, yeah. The, the first four in general is awesome just wanted to point that out there it's gonna be really fun yep and i'd be willing to bet we'll see a anisa morrow double double yeah you have more than 80 percent chance based on uh, the history of the season <laughs> yeah she did have i think it was 23 straight that did get snapped in depaul's loss in the big east tournament but i expect her to come back from that with another one yeah you know you sort of um talked a little bit about this game what are some other games that we're excited about uh to watch hoping that we'll get as uh, future matchups all right, so down the road, I mean, we we kind of brought we kind of touched on South Carolina, Iowa. That'd be really fun if I mean if you were listening to the Iowa discourse on Twitter, uh, they are very upset that <laughs> Leah Boston is probably taking home the Player of the Year this year. Uh, so that would be a heck of a matchup, certainly on my Twitter feed. Um, but also, I'm su- I mean, the the one I'm really, really, I think circling. Actually, there's a few. I think all the elite eight games are gonna be awesome. But Stanford, Texas. Texas beat Stanford early in the year. That was their first loss since winning the title. I think they were on how long of the win streak was it? Uh, they they had gone on a oh, twenty seven sure. games. Yeah, it was, it was a there. long win streak. They had the only I think they had only lost like the first game of last season before losing Texas earlier this year. Uh, Texas, as you mentioned, Rory Harmon, a freshman who is not afraid of anyone. She is unbelievably calm, cool, and collected in these moments. They play press defense. They can bother anyone. 
Stanford has has gotten their stuff together a little bit more as the season's worn on. I want to see that rematch really, really bad. So if I had to pick one, it's Stanford, Texas. Nice. Yeah, Rory Harmon, um, the, this week's Big 12, uh, her hoop stats stat of the week. You might have seen it um, mm-hmm. if you follow the Big 12 site. Uh, she's the first freshman uh, since 2011-12 to have 150 assists and 80 steals in, a, in her freshman season. So it's wow. been a while. Wow. No, she's yeah, she ex- she exploded uh, scoring uh, in the conference tournament this weekend. But, um, but yeah, that's I think the assists and the steals are really her bread and butter. How about you, Megan? Yeah, I think the big one that I'm circling is a potential Sweet 16 matchup over between Baylor and Michigan. It's actually a rematch of Sweet 16 game last year that went into, I want to say, double overtime, quite the mm-hmm. thriller last year. And then those two teams actually played back in December earlier this year, and Michigan won it in overtime. So they got a chance to settle the score if we get that game. So that one should be a great one. We talked about Melissa Smith. Naz Holman is fantastic for yeah. Michigan. So the battle between those two will be a lot of fun if we get that game. Yeah, we didn't give uh, Mich- uh, enough time there to give Michigan uh, their love, but uh, mm-hmm. she is definitely uh, a talent, potential All-America, right? I think, uh, Naz Holman. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's gonna be exciting. Well, um, I've got a lot of games I'm looking forward to. I think that uh, I'm in no rush. We've got uh, unlimited podcast time. Nada assures us. Um, <laughs> and uh, I wanted to mention a few other game potential games that I'm uh, excited about. Right, everybody remembers that UConn Iowa battle last year. But I'm ex- one thing I'm excited to see is a potential Iowa Iowa State matchup mm-hmm. in the six, Sweet Sixteen. Mm-hmm. They can definitely uh, potentially get together. I'm actually going to pick Iowa State in that one, sort of on the same theory of being a contrarian. Everyone's kind of penciling in. Iowa. I know there's some questions about uh, whether they should be seated uh, number two or not. Megan, I think you said on, on the Unplugged podcast last night you were surprised by their number two seed. Is that right? Yeah, they were. Because so uh, something that's different actually on the women's side is the committee gives us a look into the top 16 seeds three times throughout the season before the actual bracket comes out. I don't think that's something that happens. On I the think men's it just side. started after the women started it for like the men emulated that oh. maybe in the last year or two. Okay, I didn't think it was. I think. Um, anyway, I watched, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Iowa was a four seed heading into conference tournaments, won the Big Ten tournament, and ended up on the two line. Thought it was a pretty big jump for that that season performance. I would had Iowa and Iowa State flipped actually. Iowa State on the two, Iowa on the three. I think a lot of people would have had that too. I think that's where ESPN had them as well. Um, so yeah, maybe a little bit of flip flop on who we actually seek is the better team in that matchup. Exactly. And that's that's why I think a lot of people out there are gonna be picking Iowa, especially folks that don't follow women's basketball that closely. Iowa State doesn't really have a, a ton of marquee wins, right? But um, you know, they're solid and I think that they've got a real chance to um spoil uh, maybe ESPN's uh kind of desire for bringing in uh, Caitlin Clark as long as possible. Well, and crucially though, one of those quality wins is against Iowa, Iowa State. Right, right, right. That is true. That was at home. Okay, so it was in it was in uh, Ames, but still, they beat they beat the team straight up. So I don't think that I don't think it's crazy. But I'm re- that's going to be an awesome game too. Um, I, I think it's just going to be interesting. Potential, potential. potential. I'm rooting for it. I'd like to see it. These are games I'd like to see. One that I think is definitely. Uh... One, one is the other potential game that'll be your disease. Kunane, did we talk about Aoka Lee at all yet? I'm not sure that we, we have did, not talked about they Aoka could Lee. Me, they could meet up um, in the uh, round of 32, right? So, yeah, Aoka Lee, one of the best bigs in the country as well, dropped 61 points in the game of the season. Not, yeah, 61, not just on like any old team, too, on Oklahoma, which is, by the way, a number four seed in the tournament. Yep. So, just 
absolutely insane. I think she scored uh, over 30 points. How many games? Eight, eight games this season. So just a really dynamic. Or nice. Yeah, you got player. that. Did you get that from our uh, research page there? We've got all of our search functionality, including total games. Oh, no, and I, different I, stack I just counted them on her page. So I didn't uh, use our That's I another way to do it. it. That's another way to do it. Um, yeah, no, I recall, I think that uh, Matt, in particular, Matt Norlander brought that up on this podcast uh, when it happened. Uh, I forget who he said what the men's uh, high is, right? But um, that's definitely, yeah, she's she's a talent. I'm excited to have people see her. And there's gonna be a lot of, as we've been talking about, a lot, a lot of great bigs in women's basketball. So I'm excited to see them uh, battle. Um, we've talked about most of them. I guess we, did we talk, we already talked about UConn and NC State, right? Um, yeah, can I talk so, about one more team, one more game potential? Well, I got one that's, that's okay, going to go transition ahead. in, but no, I want to hear yours first. Oh, okay. Uh, well, the one I, I mentioned this this low bracket already. I think Virginia Tech Maryland is going to be super fun because yes. Maryland uh, charitably plays poor defense uh, at times, and it's just going to be a really interesting matchup between a team that is um, disciplined and very um, into into their systems in Virginia Tech. And a team that kind of freelances a lot more on both ends of the ball in Maryland. Uh, both teams have great coaches. Uh, Brenda Freeze for Maryland, Kenny Brooks for Virginia Tech. Two people that are really enjoyable and their teams are really enjoyable. I've already men mentioned Georgia A. Moore as one of my favorite point guards in the country. Ashley Awusu is on that list too of just players who are so dynamic. If Ashley Awusu is healthy, though, that's that's a big key here. She hasn't been healthy. Um, but it'll be super fun. I mean, I think just the matchup of this sort of old school center in um in elizabeth kitley versus the new school center slash big wing uh in angel reese for maryland should just be an excellent yeah. matchup that you guys yeah. should watch kitley right was the acc player of the year right Maybe uh you know? she was she was i think a lot of people were wondering whether it'd be canane so pretty cool to see that she won it yeah and they're both from the same town both from greensboro oh i yeah, did not it's weird. They're both, they're, they're, it, was, it was a crazy. It was a crazy scene in Greensboro to see both their fans there. But yeah, sounds so a little one. sounds a little strong for. I mean, Greensboro is bigger than a town. I would say I live in the town in central New Jersey near Princeton. Every, so, everywhere is a town. <laughs> that little town called Manhattan. Yeah, uh, so that's funny. Um, great. I think we. It sounds like we covered most of your games. I mean, the one that I'm actually the most excited to see is the potential uh, championship game. I am excited to see. A South Carolina Stanford rematch. I'd love to see that become really a long-term rivalry. As you said, they played in the um, the Final Four right last year. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the semifinals. Then there was the game uh, December twenty-first this year. Um, I think it would be great um, to get kind of a, a new rivalry and have that uh, happen. So I'm excited. I'm also a Stanford homer. I went to grad school uh, there. I got there just uh, after Tara Vanderveer won her championship in '92, uh, and then was the Olympic. Uh, coach so um so i'm a little biased there um but uh but i'm excited to see uh, a potential rematch aaron you lived a whole life in between stanford national championships <laughs> uh, i'm old stanford. enough that it's not a whole life i <laughs> <laughs> graduated from grad school to full you know uh, the whole life in between. I guess. Well, I hope my life's going to be a lot longer than this, right? And I hope I got many more uh, <laughs> copies of that. So, I mean, hopefully she won't go another, what it was it, uh, 30 years, right? Between championships yeah. or something. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. Um, but despite my age uh, that I was just talking about, I, I'm happy to keep going. But I'm maybe we should start winding down. One question, um, a, a topic I was thinking that we could talk about is, 
you know, which school do you think is going to have the best combined performance across the men's and the women's tournament this year? Who's going to get the most total wins? Uh, Megan, how about you? Can I guess your uh, answer? I'm just going to go as with the Homer response, go with UConn. I mean, there's only one school that has won national championships in men's and women's in the same year. UConn's done it twice. I'm going to go with Huskies. I actually don't think that the men's program is going to go that far, but I think they'll be at least the second weekend team. Is it also fair to say they've never done it since you graduated, since you left UConn? Yeah, they did it in 2014 <laughs> and they did it in 2004, which was before my time, but uh, UConn, but yeah, so. Maybe that's the reason. While. They haven't won a champion. The women haven't won a championship since you graduated. <laughs> I got to go um, back to school, so. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. How about you, Gabe? Who would you take? Oh, I mean, obviously I'm taking Miami. <laughs> my in my bracket certainly Miami will will win this uh, best combined school performance category. Uh, my serious answer, Iowa. Iowa's up there. Iowa. Iowa had a, had a nice season on the men's side. I'm gonna be honest. I, I don't watch a lot of men's college basketball. Um, but I'd say my in the team in the times I've watched Iowa looks really strong. It seems like they have a decent bracket. They'll have to get through Kansas in the Elite Eight. But if they get to the Elite Eight, and I mean, if they get to the Sweet 16 and the women get to the Elite Eight, like I'm predicting, then that's a pretty good season. I'm not sure anyone's going to beat that. Uh, North Carolina, sleeper team. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right? UNC in the, in the tournament is a sleeper team. But, you know, I see that I have the women in the Sweet 16 losing South Carolina. If the men and, and our guy, Leaky Black, can do it on the men's side. We upset Baylor, get to the Sweet 16. That, that's up there with the performances. So I'll go UNC and Iowa as my serious choice. Yeah, I think Iowa's a good potential choice. You know, the men and the women both won the uh, Big Ten championship uh, on the same conference tournament on the same court, right? I know Jim, mm-hmm. I saw Jim Nance and uh, Bill Rafferty and Grant Hill talking about how uh, Caitlin Clark uh, is probably the best shooter at the school. I think it's pretty interesting. Iowa might end up with the player that comes in second in the voting for Naismith Player of the Year, both on the men's and the women's side. So um, that's pretty amazing. There's a lot of basketball talent there. But you mentioned the team, Gabe, that I'm going to take. I think it's got to be Baylor. I think you yeah, know they're Baylor. right. They're number one seed on the men's side. Um, you know, almost the number one seed on the women's side. Um, so there's a lot of uh, potential there. I forgot about ba- I forgot about Baylor's. <laughs> Thank I appreciate you. I, leaving I, that. I forgot about both. It, <laughs> it, it didn't cross streams when I was like, "Oh, Baylor's a one seed. That's cool." And then I forgot <laughs> to have Baylor in my in my final four. So that that's my bad. Baylor's uh, the the choice there. Go Canes up. Okay, so maybe I'm the leader in the clubhouse on that one. (laughs) Uh, We shall see. So I think uh, before we go, I think the kind of last thing we should really be talking about is uh, your bracket. Who do you have in your final four and how do you see it playing out? Megan, why don't you go first? Sure. So on the the top two regions, I'm going with Chalk. So South Carolina and Stanford both making it to the final four, taking UConn in the Bridgeport region, not just because I'm a homer, I do actually think the Huskies have the advantage there with the home court and can, can win that region, and then Baylor in the final one. So that's that's the four. Got it. And I'm sorry, did you say uh, you got South Carolina to win it all? No, I do not. Who, I, who, I have the gonna... homer answer to win it all, that UConn's going to win it all. It's oh. Paige Becker's hometown. They're going to they're gonna take it Oh, that's right. Will we get? A, I guess I don't know if we'll get a Jalen Suggs uh, appearance as well, since they're best buds. <laughs> Minnesota. So I'm sorry. So that's your final four. So who's UConn going to play in the? Um, They'll play game? South Carolina in the championship. So we'll get actually a rematch of when those two teams played earlier this season in the Bahamas. But I think this UConn team is a lot better than the UConn team that played them in the Bahamas. Gotcha. How about you, Gabe? How do you see the final final four playing out? 
So in part to be a little different. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I do have, so I do have South Carolina and Baylor on the left side of the bracket. So it's two, the two seed uh, from Wichita and the one seed from Greensboro. So those two um, are pretty solidly in for me. I, I like the matchups they got. Uh, for the Spokane region, so that's Stanford's, where Stanford's the one seed. I'm going with Texas. I think I think Texas, they got some juice. This is one of those teams that that conference title is going to push them a little bit harder, I think. That's the proof of concept for them. Like, hey, we are this good. We can be anyone any day. And I think the attitude is going to shine through, and I think their press is going to do wonders in the tournament. So I have them getting to the Final Four. Uh, and then the, maybe the most off-the-board prediction I have in the Bridgeport region, which is where NC State and UConn are, I'm going with Indiana. Indiana, if they're healthy, they're one of the best teams in the country. I had to pencil them for a one seed until Mackenzie Holmes, their center, got hurt. Once she came back, they, they've looked a little bit better, and she's getting healthier every single game in the Big Ten tournament. She wasn't quite there, but she's had a week off. She's going to have a little bit more time. If they can get to uh, the Sweet 16, they have a decent matchup against UConn. I think they're a team that matches up really well with UConn, to be honest. I think they match up really, really well with NC State. So give me the Hoosiers in the Final Four. And then I have Texas beating Indiana in the fi- in the Final Four, and then South Carolina beating Baylor, and then South Carolina beating Texas. Gamecocks win the title. We lost Aaron. You're you're muted. Well, I'm mute. Sorry about that. Um, That's how bad uh, the take was. <laughs> was like out. My out take or your. Like, no, no, no. Well, I mean, I worry that it's a bad take because I'm going chalk, but I don't actually think it feels like chalk because so many people are picking, um, in particular, UConn to beat NC State. And so many people think Louisville is going to be the, uh, I think, or guessing is going to be the first number one seed to lose. So it feels like I'm almost being contrarian by picking four number one seeds. But uh, that's how I see it playing out. You know, the last time that the championship was not won, by a number one seed was back in 2011 gary blair texas uh and i'm right he actually just retired this year um they were i believe a two seed when they won it so you know there's a good chance it's going to be a number one seed um although as we've been talking about there's been more and more parody and i think even though south carolina kind of looked like world beaters was a nice reminder with that kentucky loss that uh you know anyone could win this tournament but nevertheless i'm going chalk um i think we're going to get to that uh south so again that's south carolina playing louisville in uh, one of the games in the Final Four, I'm going to take South Carolina there. I'm also going to take Stanford, so we're going to get that uh, revenge game that I talked about. That I want to see it. I think it's going to happen, and I am going to pick South Carolina. I'm not going to be a Stanford homer. Um, I do think that uh, South Carolina you know, is so talented. No, no, no question that they're vulnerable, and I think it's going to be another great game. But um, in the end, I have South Carolina. All right. We'll see. Cool. Yeah, we'll see. We shall see. And you can um, see too if you join our bracket pool. We forgot that is true. Uh, we have an ESPN. Uh, we have a we have a her hoop stats bracket pool on ESPN. We're actually going to be giving away uh, her hoopstats uh, subscriptions. I know CBS also has um, their uh, bracket challenge. I forget the exact language that they're using, but I know that uh, Matt and Gary have been uh, uh, promoting that heavily, and uh, a lot of, a lot of prizes there. Degree uh, has a new. Um, I don't know if you've seen the ads, but they've had a new bracket challenge as well and i think we've seen a lot of growth um in the entries in the bracket challenge i expect a lot of people to be um you know entering 
tournaments those this year you know they put a lot of growth uh during the regular season i believe big 10 viewership was up like 40 percent this year espn steadily growing i think over 4 million people watched mm-hmm. the uh, championship game last year uh i think that's probably across all platforms and streaming and not but i think it's gonna be a lot of people so i think it's gonna be very very exciting tournament and i'm looking forward to watching it i'm hoping some of the people if you've listened to us this long hopefully you're watching as well hopefully even if you stopped listening a while ago you're still gonna you heard enough to uh, pique your interest and you'll you'll watch a little bit i'm confident that uh, if you do watch you'll see uh, you'll enjoy what you see it's beautiful basketball i don't i don't see a reason why you shouldn't watch and you should enter every single bracket pool tell i'm telling you guys this is the best way <laughs> I'm all for entering them all, but uh, I'm not sure that I'm all for uh, entering them with different picks. You have to spread your wealth. <laughs> diversify, diversify. Yes. That's what the smart people say. Diversify good, your good, portfolio. <laughs> good. That's a very good strategy. Megan, any other uh, closing thoughts before we go? I don't think so. Just lots of basketball to come. I think we're all very excited. Indeed. Well, um uh i do want to on the way out here shout out to allison feaster she's from chester south carolina i think she's the uh, best women's basketball player perhaps from chester south carolina uh she played in the WNBA, but she's most famous for leading a 16 seed harvard to an upset over number one stanford back in 1998 that was the first 16 seed to uh, beat a one seed in the ncaa tournament men's or women's she's currently the vice president of player development for the Boston Celtics. So definitely want to shout her out. Uh, on a more serious note, the uh, only person we can really shout out for Baylor uh, is Brittany Griner. Um, I know that I am. I feel comfortable saying I speak for Megan, Gabe, and really everyone in the basketball community. We're hoping that she's going to be back home and safe very, very soon. So with that, I want to say thanks to all of you for listening. Again, I want to thank everybody associated with this podcast for having us uh, here tonight. I'm uh, really excited to be a part of it and looking forward to some great women's basketball. I hope you are too. Thanks a lot. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.